Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? This your boy JBJR with Fruit of the Boom Podcast. I'm holding the fort down solo today. You know my boy, man, he's out and about handling some business right now, so I'm just holding the fort down for the time being. And today, 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 we have another legendary producer in our studio. Local legend turned international legend, the big homie, Straight up one of the most important people in the music scene. <laughs> Hands down. My big homie, Black Spade. How you doing, Pip? What's up? How you doing, Jay? Man, man, dude. It's an honor, man. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> out, man. Right on. No, it's all good, man, for sure. For sure. Just uh yeah, I'm, it's good to be here, for sure. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, I definitely want to have you on, man, you know, kind of like right before we start um, beginning the show, because, uh, you know, like, I just want to have you on, man, definitely tell you a story and tell, especially everyone out there that's listening, whether they're involved in the scene or they don't know shit about it, you know, just <laughs> basically know what's up, man, basically what's know what's going on with you, whether past, present, and future, you know what I'm saying? That's right, pretty right. much the whole point. So pretty much the whole point of this podcast, for if you're a brand new listener, is uh, Madden and I create this podcast. Podcast for the producer, DJ, engineer, just their backstories, their life, um, their business, any advice they give, just any kind of crazy stories. It's there. It's about the producers, about the engineers, about the DJs, it's about who makes the people your favorite artists famous in the background. Those three individuals definitely help your favorite artists and favorite music groups famous. So that's the whole point of this one. Go ahead and give these people some shine. So that's the whole point of this beautiful podcast. And so like I explained to Spade, we're going to keep it natural, keep it simple. Uh-huh. So we're going to go ahead and start with the very, very first question that I literally ask everybody. And I'm going to ask you first. <laughs> Shoot. How did you get into music production? Into music production? Yes, um, sir. Well, like, sonically, like, I've been always... Like my my pops didn't do music, but he was a music connoisseur, so it was just music always around. Like and uh, pretty much it started. I th- I feel like the first thing I've ever heard was probably like Stevie Wonder, um, a bit of uh, uh, maybe a uh, BB King, okay, <laughs> and Kiss. <laughs> nice. And uh, okay. later on, uh, when my mother ended up. Uh, meeting my uh, my sisters that uh, that okay. ended up becoming like Prince and like Eddie Murphy <laughs> 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 on, on album on vinyl. So, nice. So, but like with with Stevie and and other jazz and stuff, like uh, probably like around like four, four or five or three or four. I just sonically it just moved me. You know what I'm saying? Like it mm-hmm. just. Uh, it's just one of those things that like I knew like that's something I it just I claimed to like you know the window of my mind was open so by the time I was five I got an acoustic guitar and I just used to mimic what I heard on like Sesame Street and okay. just making tunes with it until I was like and I was just like my mother was like oh this dude's kind of got something you know but they couldn't understand it but that was the first time and then I always just used to be that cat that beatbox on the block so mm-hmm. I started off beatboxing uh maybe like uh nine years old up to sixth grade uh up to like probably even eighth grade <laughs> beatboxing okay. like hmm, okay. so uh or either like beating on beating planet rock on like uh the table or something uh and so 
pretty much, man. Um, by the time I was 14, I was taking like uh, my friend got this uh, mixer from Radio Shack that he had in the layaway forever. Oh wow! And uh, it had a little sampler on it, so we just just sample straight loops and just uh, do different stuff like that, or like loop tape. Like I used to always loop tape. I used to okay make a beat go together, but then like put beatboxing under it. Oh wow! <laughs> so it was just one of those things to where like we would do that and then just rap off of it mm-hmm. from another cassette tape. Um, I just was all I, I just always into beats, into the beats and stuff, like through my pops and what they used to play and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's 14 is probably like the original time I really started to do that. And as as, as time went on, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to uh have like a good vibe, uh, native tongue sound, okay. And you know, I remember one day skipping over uh, <laughs> my uh. My friend's house and Benita Applebaum video came on. I was just okay. like, I was like, this is the music I want to do. <laughs> but then the whole G Funk era came out. Snoop Dogg and everybody came out. So then at mm-hmm. that point, Spice One, all this stuff, like LA was just winning with this like funk sound. So mm-hmm. I went more towards the funk, you know what I'm saying? Right, and right. Still kept it backpack esque and, and uh, native tongue esque. But because like Q Tip was like my first. To want to make beats for real, like Shout to take to it serious, but yeah, and so yeah. like, uh, and then later it ended up being Dilla, of course. But at the same time, it was the G Funk era. It was Dr. Dre. It was the you know, what I'm it was just that whole West Coast sound that that was funky. You know, what I'm saying that made it made me want to shoot more towards that way. So yeah, that's what's up, man. So you heard it first, man. You would think it would just be more on like the more of an East Coast influence, but nah. it's the total opposite, <laughs> man. And that's crazy. O- only reason that is because radio had a balance back in the day. Mm-hmm. You, it didn't matter what you. I didn't know any sides. Like I didn't know of, a, of, of an East Coast or West Coast until the Source Awards. For real, like oh wow. Uh, I didn't. I never really tripped off of it. Like I thought everybody was making good music. It was good black music. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I was listening to Tribe. Um, P-Rock, CL Smooth, mm-hmm. Public Enemy, uh, Down to Sugar T, E-40, and and uh, kind of like anybody out of the West Coast, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Uh, too Short, whatever, all of it was funky to me, you know, so I really, I, I didn't really have like a preference of like what should be done because everybody was this dude. They played Dodge Effects on the radio back in the day, so, right, right, right. you know, it was just like, I want to say like, like uh, once it started towards the end of like the the 90s or maybe getting into the 2000s people started really caring about like what was played on the radio mm-hmm. or maybe I say like after the <laughs> the Master P era or like <laughs> right that. right so, yeah oh man so Y'all heard it first, man. So, y'all heard it first. My man has more of a West Coast influence. Than and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Dilla, Absolutely not. Dilla is the same in a way. Like, he got he got the tribe influence, but he definitely talk about, like, uh, Battle Cat or, like, people in the West. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, especially, right. like, Dr. Dre or whatever, you know? So, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's just, that's like, Dr. Dre was like the Dilla of the West Coast in a way. As well as the DJ Quick and whoever else, you know, right, Battle right, Cat right. as well. 
Fuck yeah, man. Hell yeah, man. Like, so another thing I just want to ask you, because you got so uh, into music production and then you got st- um, you pretty much merged that with your love of rapping as well. Uh-huh. Uh, just go ahead and give us a little bit of a backstory as well as about how did you get into the music scene? Like, since you're pretty much... At this point, you pretty much like the OG, the pivotal figure of like the St. Louis music scene here. You know, tell us like your involvement. Like, give us like the background how that started too. Like with As Black Spade, how did that start? Well, I mean, really, St. Louis was like, it, like when I was coming up in St. Louis, we had access to everything. Like I was mm-hmm. into Michael Jackson and Prince and. And hip hop and break dancing, just like anybody else. Like honestly, like it was movies that was the influence as well. You know, like and as music started turning towards hip hop, you know, my pops used to have like certain hip hop songs and <laughs> heavy D and different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I had a uh, my uncle had a friend that was stationed somewhere. I want to say like Virginia or whatever, but he used to bring these New York mixtapes back. And as they started to play more hip-hop on the radio, you know what I'm saying, thanks to Gentleman Jim Gates, Needles Pops, it's probably like the reason that the Midwest in general uh, started to play hip-hop, this Mm -hmm. talking album that they used to call it. So um, that was, uh, that that, it wasn't hard to get into it, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't hard to get into hip-hop at that time. And the only reason I really got into rap because I got tired of asking people to rap off of the beats that I made, you know what I'm saying? So I would, I would, it, it just came natural to me, you know what I'm saying? To like start rapping off my own stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, so that started around like 15, you know, like I, I, I legit, I legit had this group called like, uh, no, 16 actually, yeah. I had a group called Verbal Assault. Okay. <laughs> Verbal song, okay, and okay. It was, Give us some history, okay. And we was like, uh, we definitely, definitely was just making like DJ Quick sound and stuff, like Spice One sound and stuff, uh, anything that sounded like the West, you know, and uh, it was just one of those things. That's what we made, you know, like uh, Digital Underground-esque or Pac-esque, like before Pac, before Death Row, like um, we, we were just into it, you know. And then uh, I think like maybe after school was when I really like knew that that's what I want to do. Like like when I came onto the scene in '96, okay. that was like uh, everybody was out. You would see uh, Arthur State's uh, lifestyle uh, like in his squad, and you just come to the loop. It just reminded me of like New York. So and everybody was doing like this backpack hip-hop and right before I left school uh, I was I was into like um, like Wu-Tang Clan and a lot of other backpack stuff and you know times that started to change so people started looking at me weird was like man what the, why this dude got this stuff on you know but I was very well into it then but then to meet like a whole nother scene that was on the same thing it was like dope like I thought like uh, Mike Check and Modu Crew was like Wu-Tang Clan to me for St. Louis because they kind of had that style of uh, fresh voice he was like a little like like uh, Shaheen or something <laughs> shout out to Fresh man yeah and uh, yeah so the scene was just flourishing you know so like it wasn't hard to get into hip hop in St. Louis but 
I want to say like 96 was around the time I, I really like got into it, delved into it. So. Oh wow, so we so we literally talking a little bit over, and it's 2018 now, so we talking about a little bit over 20 years in the game, for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I remember being around Flow Valley, me, Needles, and his bro, mm-hmm. and my homie Skeen, uh, uh, from, uh, from uh, Ruckus Crew, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe some other cats, we were all sitting around like, Seeing what position we gonna play in hip hop. I know Needles <laughs> used to be like, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a DJ and I'm gonna do my graffiti. His brother was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn how to break dance real good and really get into it. Cause that's like my thing. My other homie who's not with us, uh, Cam, used to be like, yeah, I'm gonna have a rap group and I'm gonna still do my graffiti and stuff. You know, so I can fall back on my heart, uh, you know. And it was just like we was like mapping out what we wanted to do it, do it in the scene. And so like that's like Needles is like. Kind of one of like my best buds, like in hip hop, like one of my best friends in hip hop, or like whatever. Because we kind of came up on the scene together, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like still here, you know. So it was, it was, it was, it was cool. It was, it was like we had, a, we had a scene, a hip hop scene. I mean, we always had a scene. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. as far as hip hop, I feel like the '90s, like '96, '96 uh, up, or maybe even '93 and up. It was such a scene here that it was just, it was dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right. So yeah. Damn. So we just got a big piece of history, man. And shout out to D, uh, DJ Needles, man. Like for real. Like, and that's another local legendary DJ, man. For those who don't know, that's outside of St. Louis City, man. DJ Needles is a very legendary DJ in the city, man. Has his own radio show. <laughs> On uh, KDHX, man, which is a very pivotal radio station here in the city. And so the stories this man is telling, you know, this is giving me some analysis and some background because this is someone, for me, I came in in 2009. So a lot of stuff oh, you telling me, you know, oh, this is new information to me, you know, yeah. so I'm getting all bracing a lot of history. So I appreciate, you know, I'd like to just know more of the background from people I consider like the big homies and stuff like that in the game, yeah. like yourself, you know what I'm saying? So as well, man, you know, just to kind of dial it back uh, a little bit and get more. Into like your you being a producer, um, tell us what you're working with um, equipment wise. What you using? Equipment wise, man, I still use the same stuff that I kind of like been using when I decided to like take it serious. I still use an MPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I may use the up to date MPC. That's probably like I use a, the, the 2500 that they made. I guess probably somewhere early or middle 2000 maybe I'm not sure exactly when it came out okay and then i still use the old school 3000 uh 2000 xl um and then you know i use like uh reason or um or uh logic now so yeah okay yeah how long you been dealing with uh reason reason and logic for the most part i added that probably like i added logic like last year and reason i added like uh when Reason 5 came out That's around the time I had started using that Okay, okay, okay So, yeah. so you know what Because I'm me being More of a PC person I know I can't really yeah. Mess with, you know Especially Logic Because I always wanted To mess with Logic But if my, correct me if I'm wrong Because I know That's more of a Mac program Than a Windows program, right? It, it, it really is Because yeah. Logic is basically When you graduate From GarageBand Because this is basically The same thing Gotcha, okay Because I dabbled In GarageBand A little Garage, bit Back in the day right. With some stuff So yeah. GarageBand free Logic you gotta pay for If you wanna do further In GarageBand Well So it's just like It's a limit And that's why That's the GarageBand And then Logic is, Gotcha uh, that, So 
Gotcha, gotcha. At least in my opinion, that's what that because they both the same thing. For real. <laughs> well, you you heard you hearing it right now, my man. So you hear it right now for someone who actually delves in all the time. So I mean, what do you prefer more? More do you? So you say you're working more in Logic now than Reason, or I, I prefer analog equipment, man. Like I really? just use okay. that on the side when I just use like that type of stuff when people want to try to get technical or like okay. or if and for real like. To me, man, like I have no boundaries, man. I make, I will make beats on anything. Like, if you gave me like an old beat machine, I'm gonna figure out how to make some beats with it or do something. Uh, and I like Logic because it allowed me to still keep my sound, uh, my dirty, my dirtiness uh, from like the analog or MPCs or whatever like that. I, I, I would still record on tape. All of that stuff, man. Like it's a it's a feeling and it's ex- experience for me, mm-hmm. and that's what I like was raised on, uh, and so I I I, I feel like I, I I'll never leave it, but I'll find avenues to keep it going, you know. Right, right, right. So yeah. So basically, you kind of you still stick to being like a purist, but you you are willing to infuse more newer ways of oh, how yeah. to you know keeping that same stuff relevant, basically. Uh, oh yeah, it's just like with logic with me. And, and maybe I can do this in Pro Tools too, but Logic is making it so easy, okay. and it's, you still you can use like endless tracks. Um, so it's just like with Logic, um, I could take something and just uh, loop it into the MPC. But the Logic acts as if it's uh, it, it's the MPC, so I wouldn't even have to let it touch the MPC. I'll just loop it right into Logic, and it loops just like the MPC eight bars. But I'll be playing like the legit stuff from the MPC offer and then I can go back and record it but it was off it was kind of hard when I had Pro Tools to really do that it wasn't hard it's just I didn't understand Pro Tools enough to really do it so I just decided to start doing it in Logic so yeah you know you and me both man like you know me being no uh both a music producer and a podcaster at this point, you know, like having a few years in, you know, I'm starting to use Pro Tools more like that's what we used to record this whole episode on is Pro Tools. Yeah. And, you know, just me trying to learn like stuff day by day, you know, I can understand kind of where you're coming from because I'm more of a, I'm, you know, I'm a PC person. I've been coming from the FL side more than anything. Yeah. And FL is another good yeah. program because it's, it's thick like a beat machine. Exactly. Just as well as like Reason, it's got a thickness to it like a beat machine. I actually start using like, I actually start using like Reasons legit wise is through like, I heard DJ Tump saying like he was using Reasons and Reason and like the MPC still. Uh, and I know Dilla used Reason, people don't know Dilla used Reason and he used the MPC as well. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I think he was probably like recording on Cool Edit or something like that or whatever, mm. but yeah. Yeah. Damn. So you just got some... See, my man giving us all kind of insight right now, yeah. man. Stuff that you may have not even known about, man. And this is some fly shit, man. So this is hella, hella dope. So we're going to go on and move on to the next thing real quick. I just want to know about you, man. So... Um, so tell us your experiences And I know I asked uh, my homie Rick Riddles this Shout out to him uh, Way back I believe on episode 9 it was with him Since he was the first rapper slash producer We had on the show mm-hmm. And you are technically the second one right. So you being a rapper slash producer Like how are your experiences being like dealing with both being on the rapper side and the producer side like how do you like tell us your experience on dealing with both and like doing both at the same time just you being that artistic person that you are like what your experience like how do you how do you feel about that like how do you oh, it's originally just, yeah stuff it's like literally this. all music to me man it don't come in the form of like 
loving one of them the most or mm. the you know like I feel like with me like music is a form of some type of gift mm. that that obviously I had like a, a niche or a thing for mm. and uh, I just treat it all like I just treat like art in general as the same so like regardless if I'm doing beats or singing or rapping mm. I try not to like like uh, downplay the other you know what I'm saying like I I have to keep them going just enough because they rely on each other. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I don't pick a lot of beats from different people, so I gotta stay up on like what I like, you know what I'm saying? And, and make beats to what I like. Uh, and as far as the singing, I have to kind of like do it and like look at other people and be like, man, well, if that person doing it, I definitely can do, I definitely should be doing better because, you know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever, you know, like, I look at it just all on one level, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's art, so. Same when I do fashion as well, like, you know what I'm saying? I try to put it all, all, all in together. I don't never, like, like, downplay one, one, one or the other. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm my worst critic when it comes to singing because I added singing last, I didn't add, I didn't, I didn't start really singing. I always sang because I was in choir and I, I had a scholarship for choir. Really? But I didn't take it or whatever like oh, that. Oh, wow. Um, because uh, you had to go to these churches and sing these old Negro spirituals like <laughs> See, and it was just like I'm not gonna like perform that stuff for y'all you know and you know I was kind of on some rebel backpack like yo man I, I'm, I'm doing hip hop I ain't gotta go to school for this you know so I was I was into that and uh, yeah I never really like looked at I never played it out because it's an art that I love you know what I'm saying Okay, so so we just not gonna move past the part where you <laughs> where you were singing, man, because that's because I didn't always was curious yeah, I, about your singing. I didn't add past, singing man. until to serve with love. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that's why I was right always kind of curious. Before I turned it in. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, because I was always curious about the singing part, man. So I was like, and then now you telling us like you went choir, so you actually you actually have a, a trained background. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, never knew that. So that that's brand new. I, so. Are you taught in anything else outside of that, or is that the only thing you've been taught in was bass vocal training? Yeah, I always stayed in the choir in in in, in school. Any in like you know what I'm saying, like and all throughout high school, I had choir. Period. You okay. know what I'm saying. Um, even uh, even like uh, grade school, I had choir, and then like in church, you know, I sang in the choir. So it's just what it was. You know what I'm saying, like. Uh, it was just in me, and that, and that was stuff I wanted to be in, to, even when I was <laughs> on, in the streets, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still was, like, in somebody's choir. It was just, like, a regular routine, like, school or something. So, so would you ever find yourself back in someone's choir if asked to? If asked to? Well, I mean, I don't really, I, I ain't got, like, beliefs in church enough to be in somebody's <laughs> choir like this, so. No, I understand, uh, <laughs> bro. It, no, I understand, no, it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I feel it is what it Man. is. <laughs> Nah, but it's all good. But now nah, that's interesting, man. Because, I mean, you know, I know a lot of people, like, sometimes it's harmonized. But I was like, damn, Spade definitely got some pipes on him. And now we find out you were trained. You've oh, always yeah. been inside of it. Yeah, I just, back in the day, you know, like, if you were singing over hip-hop, people thought it was just wax. So you never really added. Like, I, I can remember, like, people saying, yeah, Father MC, dope. But he got singing in it. Like, nobody want to hear this singing. It was just like, you mean you know and the same when they when they thought ll went like quote unquote what seemed to be back then as soft you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. because he had like singing and love songs but like 
All of the stuff was dope, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I just look at it like, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, well, let me go and add it in here. Because I always been like scared to add the singing with the hip hop. But it was right before I turned into Serbo Love, I put it all on there. Because for one, I couldn't get nobody to sing the hooks in time. Mm, okay. So I just sang all the hooks that I wanted on it and then turned it in. Got it mixed by Kanata Smith and then turned it in. That's what's up, man. Yeah. So that's flying the song right. So damn. So that goes into. So basically, it goes into something that I'm about to say. Yes, Matt, I know it's going to make fun of me about it. What? Like you do every episode. I, a big thing with me is, as a producer, I always tell people to learn music theory. It started with way back with my boy A. Trey, who came on here. Shout out to him. Right. Uh, and then um, after that, I was just like, you know what? I'm making a point to just make music theory a thing that you just should just know. And it sounds like because you've been taught all your life, clearly you know that. You know you have knowledge of that. You know. Oh uh, well, yeah. I mean. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, however you can get it, like, everybody can have a gift for a minute, but, like, you don't never stop learning. Like, I teach, man, the new college for me is YouTube, because you can learn a lot of stuff on YouTube. And I'm a true believer of, I mean, it's the thing, you put your 10,000, you, you, you work towards 10,000 hours, right? You log those hours. Mm-hmm. You can teach yourself anything, bro. It's just dedication. I don't care if you got to take some Adderall or something. I'm not telling anybody to do that, but <laughs> like, you put your ten thousand, you work towards those ten thousand hours, man. Like, you can learn anything. All you're doing is just paying the school to make sure that you don't waste the money to go through through that stuff. Exactly. And the experiencing and partying and stuff, but yeah, so right. <laughs> exactly. So that's so that's the thing, you know, and that's the thing, man. That I kind of tell people, like, you know, when especially when it comes to that music theory part is. It's so crucial for the foundation if you just if you want to be a musician that you need that. And like you just said, you don't need to pay no one shit. Right. But your fucking internet provider. <laughs> That's really it. Exactly. Like and just going like you said, YouTube University is coming up. Dude, like I learned so much shit from YouTube. Like 90% of what I know is self-talk. Yeah. Like no lie. Like and then like, mind you, and I, I will do, be looking at them when it's come time for me to like Learn about like mixing and like mastering, uh, just to get my foot into it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's a perfect segue. As a matter of fact, I was actually going to ask you: Have you ever dabbled in any kind of mixing and mastering? You know, as a producer. Nah, the only thing. I mean, of course, I got to be in a room with my stuff being mixed because I know I I know what I want to hear, even if I don't know how to do say the language. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but no, nah, I haven't I haven't really dived and dabbed in that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. I mean, hell, it shows a lot of my beats sometimes. I mean, that I'm just like dry mixing the stuff the way I want to hear it in the headphones or something. But right. nah, I don't I don't do any of that, man. I just hand it over to one of my homeboys that know how to mix. And uh, but eventually, yeah, I've been looking at YouTube, going to sleep to certain things, like certain uh, how people mix stuff and learning like the language and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. A yeah. lot of times, man, like cats know what they want but it's a certain language barrier that they speak and that engineer's like huh what you talking about you know what I'm saying so right, right, right. just one of those things man you gotta even get the language down you know so. no no, you're right no you, you you definitely right about the language piece like cause I'm the same way like I've been learning more and more and more about um about engineering like whether it's been from YouTube or talking to someone like Matt or something like right. that you know and I've just been learning for myself you know about the importance of 
mixing, especially when you learn something simple as like a lot, like a good piece of that mm-hmm. is volume control. Like when you learn, it's like yeah, like when I found out a good portion of it is just literally volume control. I'm like oh, okay, yeah. It's like okay, so it's like yeah, that's a huge basis of mixing is volume control. It's like oh, oh yeah, okay. And then I kind of learned that when I learned like little tips, like for example, like a tip, like I tell people is. If you want to get like a professional mix down, I learned this from one of my homies, ask my boy Scott Styles, shout out to him. Like, if you working in a dog, don't add a bunch of plugins and shit to your percussion and stuff like that. Just let right. it as dry as possible. Like, for example, because that way you give it to the engineer. Like, I can give my mix to someone like Matt. They can basically do whatever the fuck they want to do to it. Oh, yeah. Or some Blake Cavs shit. And, but some people don't realize that. People don't I realize that, that because. They don't know how to speak and tell people what they want. Like, so, you know, like, some cats, they keep effects and stuff on their stuff. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, you know, they, they keep it in there because, you know what I'm saying, they don't want the engineer to touch the, the, way, the way the sound sound. But if they just let it go dry and right. understood how to tell the <laughs> engineer, like, yo... I had reverb on this, but I had this kind of reverb to lay on this. Uh, can you get it close to this? Or bring something like a sample and be like, this is a super rough of kind of how I want it, but can you make it sound like this, but then clean it up? That's what I do. Like if I if I give, I'll give my homeboy a dry session and say, hey, this is a roundabout of how I want it to sound. Uh, and let's take it from there. Right, right, right. And so, you know, he get to messing around and doing what he needs to do he's like okay now I hear this and you know what I'm saying I was like well nah maybe turn this up not this not this wasn't the effect necessarily that I had on it and you know he'll get it close to it and then at the end I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with what I like you know what I'm saying now I feel you man like, that's kind of where I'm at with shit you know myself like what I do is I uh, you know I just have my mix you know and then I just use what tips and tricks I know personally to no, just to mix it down and master it the way I need to. But at the same time, I have like a true dry mix to give to someone like me or like Corey Rose or someone like that. Shout out to him as well. You know, for them to do whatever I need to do to it for whoever's going to be for it. And ends up, like you said, it works out a lot better. Like, because yeah. you can, I'd rather them manipulate and, and I trust them with that to do what needs to be done to make it sound as full yeah. and as rich as I wanted to. Matt, Rest not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Matt probably like one of the better like hip hop uh, mixers, like hip and mixing hip hop here. Like I don't mean hands down, hands down. Like, <laughs> like y'all don't understand, man. Matt's not here right now, but y'all really don't understand when we give Matt his probably like nah, like we got to give credit where credit is due. Like, I mean the man can mix your stuff from like. A two track, but don't come up here thinking that like he gonna <laughs> separate the two track tracks. It's just that he know how to sonically put it into play to where he can mix it, even if it's a two track. Like for real, like he's like a like low key like on some genius shit with it. Like it's really good. Like and we not kidding either. So like a lot of stuff that you hear maybe in the music scene, like local, like with you know with Tiff Pole, with Rocky, or anything like that. Nine times out of ten, Matt mixed that shit down. He mixed the like preaching the trap, and that was just probably like a rough mix until we decided to do like the 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 uh, another mix of it or something like that, and that sounded good. So exactly. So yeah. So now, nah, man, it's about their life, man. When it comes to their mixing, him and Carter, man, like the best, and then they yes. fast. Carter, yeah. And yeah, they like they fast as hell with it too. And it's like, so not only are you good, you fishing, you quick with it. And that's something, you know, what you want in an engineer, someone who's 
fast, efficient, damn good at what they do, and quick and just able to give you a quality product every time. So that's why I was big up Matt and Carter and good people here at Suburban Pro whenever I can because at the end of the day, gotta pay homage to people in the studio like I am right now because I would have somewhere to record this shit. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. So, um, but it, you know what? And, but want to get back on topic for a second. Um, so I know you do a lot of live performing. Uh huh. So tell us how you um got into that piece. You know, since like I say, because you you more or less you more of of an artist than just as a regular musician or or something like that. So with your artistry, I know you got into live beat making, which assists with your music and everything else. Like you did a live set for us for the reason Fresh Produce. Yeah. So like. With doing the live set, man, it, it literally came from me living in LA and going to see how people do it. Like uh, when I was, uh, like 2006 was really what kicked it off. We wanted to do it live because uh, I was in the Red Bull Music Academy in 2006. Nice. And so my term was uh, Seattle. And you know, like, um, it was a lot of cats up there that uh, kind of had like little controllers or like there wasn't controllers back then. I want to say it was like pads or something, but they just or either they were just playing their beats out on a laptop. But the whole thing was they they were coming from like a DJ s status, but was all of the stuff was their music. Mm. And with me, like I've always had like the MPC and the. Uh, and I used to have my curse well with me mm-hmm. and then just have like a tracks coming from my uh, coming from the laptop. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing. Like I would do my whole shows like that. And and that's how I kind of got into it because I learned it like it was other people doing the same thing. And uh, I remember like because uh, I remember like being in LA and it was this thing called a root down or something like that. Okay. This was like before low end theory. I wanna say it was before low end theory. Oh wow. Uh and Exile. Exile, uh Blue and Exile, I don't know if you he produced oh, it. Oh yeah. He he was probably like the one they, he was going up against the turntable. So like as they were loading as as he was loading his stuff up, the turntable cat will be playing the beats and then he'll come back with his beats. Okay. And uh, he already have it loaded up, and so I was like, okay, fresh, you know. And uh, it's weird, man, because then I want to say around the same time, Barcelona, Spain, Red Boy invited me to Sonar Music Fest, and they wanted me to do like a beat set and like and and uh, uh, do my rap or do the show or whatever. And I was just like, man, what's a beat set though? You know? <laughs> and then I was just like, I guess you just go up there and start playing stuff. Uh-huh. And I was looking at Mo, uh, I was gonna say Mohawk, but I was looking at Hudson Mohawk and he was just like chewing his gun. He was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go up there and do whatever, you know? So Hudson Mohawk basically went up there and was like, basically just started playing beats from his, like dealer type beats from his, his laptop. <laughs> he was just chewing his gum. <laughs> and nice. uh, then, and then I was like, oh, okay, that's another way. And then I seen a lot of the other ex um, Red Bull uh, members using similar like type controls and stuff. And uh, probably like the last day, it was probably like four in the morning, a sea of people. Mm-hmm. And I turned around, uh, somebody tapped me on my shoulder, I turned around and like Flying Lotus 
blowing smoke in my face and got on stage. Oh, shit. And he had like this MPD pad or something like that, and he did his whole show with it. And I was like, mm. that's what I'm going to do then. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, shouts to Flying Lotus or whatever. But like Hell then, yeah. that's that's what uh, I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do Sound Clash. And I got with Needles when I got back here, when I moved back to St. Louis. And uh, it was pretty much like we just started something called Sound Class. I said, I'll tell you what, this is how you do it. I said, while I'm loading up <laughs> my beats, you can be playing your beats that you made off a of reason through like your Serato or whatever. Mm. And then when I, when I load my beats up and I'm playing them, keep like some uh, acapellos together so well, you can just like scratch him with the beat and we just go back and forth, me, him, and 18 accountant. So that was like the first like kind of like beat set type stuff mm. that we were doing like here, you know. But I never really was, I knew that I didn't want to get into the beat battle thing. I just didn't, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to, <laughs> that was not my thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I just don't believe in like somebody's work being judged that who's the best in that form, you know what I'm saying? I dig it, I dig it, it's a sport, and it can be good, and like, the way Fresh Produce do it, it's, it, it looks like it's on TV or something. Like, I feel like they seriously need to make that thing go straight to like, like, and you TV. know what, and you know, it's crazy, like, the, the main thing I tell people is, we always use this as a jumping off point, like, the main, like that's the whole point of Fresh Produce, like, I always want to see on as like, Hey, come here, hone your skills, use this to do something else. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the best way to always look at it, because I mean, we just contributing back to the scene as far as like, you know, making sure, like I said, the producer, you know, getting a shine. Because like I said, I'm coming, you know, you know, me coming from the 09 era, you know, me and Trifecta yeah. and them used to do it all the time. Exactly. You know, I'm coming from that era and I, I remember when me and him used to straight have a big ass like how it was like yeah. just recently, like how we had all the time. And I was like, damn, I missed that. I would love to see that again. And luckily I did. Oh, it's definitely right. needed. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, it's just like with it's just like with uh battle rap, it's definitely needed. You need to see that. You know what I'm saying? You need to see like somebody like spitting some bars and like really those things are needed in, in hip hop culture. You know what I'm saying? I just look at like uh I just me personally, I just never been a fan of battle. I'd rather watch it other than being partaking in it. That's what I say. I love watching it. <laughs> <laughs> he, lo he loves being a but, spectator, but a competitor is a whole different story. I, yeah, it's a whole different story. I, I, I just I don't, throw, I I don't like throwing my music out there like that. No, I can, no, I can yeah. respect that, man. I, I totally can respect that, man. Because, I mean, to be totally honest, I was... When I did, I was like, uh, okay. So I just said, fuck it. And I just did it. And next thing you know, I was just going back and forth. And next thing you know, here I am now. You know, fast forward, you know, from, 9, from 09 to 18 now. So I was like, shit. You know, and I did what I did. And, you know, at the same time, that's why I was like, you know, when I met you, I was like, I was like, damn. Like, I was like, damn, what was this dude? Like, what was this dude? Like, <laughs> but even when we used to have special guests at, like, like uh, Sound Clash, people used to be like, how do you uh, do a beat set? I was like, nah, you just play the tracks, you know what I'm saying? I was like, you got a laptop. I was like, I don't even care if you bring your computer, your desktop computer, just play the tracks, have them lined up or triggered in some type of way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people got that. It was some cats that used to just 
play their beat like they was in the battle. So they'll just be like, hit and play on the CD and just be like this. Like, 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 nah, man, you gotta kinda like get into it. You gotta kinda like just, you know, it's a way you just gotta kinda like trick the crowd and be like, oh, how y'all doing? Yo, let me get a clap. And just like, oh, whatever. You know, even if you don't have anything to trigger, you can just play the tracks like right out and just like get into it that way. And, and when, when when the audience see that thing, like they, they kinda cling to it. And you know, like that's the reason why like I was I was I, I tried to do the beat up as recently, but a lot of times it's just like it ain't enough people here to pick from to do beat sets for real. Because it's just not. And uh so I ended up getting back with uh uh Michael Bishop and uh, gonna take my uh, try to take at uh, this thing called Lifted, and Lifted used to be at Blank Space. I seen that. I seen that. I but seen it. Yeah. He able yeah. to get the monocle, and I'm like, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's working well for fresh produce. So you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and I love the sound system in there. So I'm like, well, cool. Like that'd be cool to just keep uh, a hub of beat type things in one space. You know what I'm saying? So like. Like fresh produce, if it's good for fresh produce, then you know what I'm saying, then it's definitely good for us. You know, like I feel like it ain't enough, it ain't a beat community here, and it ain't enough of a beat community to keep it kind of like, like just so one sided. Like you know what I'm saying, it needs to be a variety, and hopefully yeah, right, we can be that right. variety. You know what I'm saying? So. And, and that's the whole point of like how we start out fresh produce, because that, that's the whole point. We would love shit like that. That's why, you know, yeah. we got with Farfish like we are, you know, with the yeah. whole link up situation with, with that, you that, know, yeah. and we partnered with them with everything like that. So we kind of trying to expunge and partner with them. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, especially since you judged for us quite a few times at this point, you know, that's going to be enough for us to try to get yeah. some, you know, have, you know, partner and grow this shit together. Like, but it's supposed to make sure everyone eat, make sure everyone get noticed, everyone get their shine. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed, that's really how I was supposed to be at all yeah. times. And so, and speaking of which, man, you know, one thing I always wanted to know from you, man, because it's one piece of advice I know you gave me a long time ago. And I want you to give the same piece of advice to people out there because I have started <laughs> doing it. And I'll ne- I promise to God I'll never forget it, though. I promise you I'll never forget it. He was like, if you want to get heard, you got to look outside. Saying, <laughs> look, you have to just look outside to see. Yeah, you got to get past you, yeah, you these have walls. To. I always say that, man. You like, have to. I mean, you got to think, like, look at how many people. I'm pretty sure it's people think, like, oh, man, Smino, SZA, uh, old boy who won, what, the Golden Globes. They ain't giving St. Louis enough love. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like, you know what I'm saying, like, especially, like, they 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 rep in St. Louis. Yeah, Metro. It's just that yeah, Metro as well. Like they rep right. in St. Louis, but they just got they're about their business. They have a they have a mission to complete. Exactly. And that's to fulfill a musical like passion of theirs and to be heard and to be heard by people other than like St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right, right, right. you can all you should be able to always come back home and make it pop. That's home. But that mission ain't over. That mission may not be over until they like in, in six feet, six feet in the ground. Exactly. Like I mean, at least that's how I feel. Like my mission is never over. Like I don't even consider myself an OG. I call myself timeless. Like because it don't mm. like when it, when it comes to art, it ain't about an age for real. You know, unless you like an infant, yeah, obviously. But no, I'm just saying like <laughs> if you of age, a well living age, like uh, and you doing music, like you know what I'm saying you can do music. It's like white men that's doing country music 
True. Uh, that's like probably like fucking like 60 years old. Shit, Willie Nelson been doing shit and, for how long? And got like fucking tight jeans on and got like a gazillion people at their shows. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. It, 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 it's, it's, and, and then you know like black music is such an influence on the world like period. Mm-hmm. Like you can think of any genre of music the, a lot of the influence came from black people. Exactly. So why would you retire something that great or uh, energy that great that you can kind of influence like uh, people with? You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So that's how I look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like you have to definitely think outside of St. Louis. Exactly. Because you got so much to live for other than just staying in St. Louis working and getting and, 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 uh, playing beats to your homies. Like, if that's what people ever so desire, then that's great. And it's a lot of cats that from the 90s, that's what they do. They still like making music and, and tapes for their homeboys and working the local job that they got. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Nothing more, nothing less. I hate when sometimes when cats, like when the album come out, they hit me up and be like, yo, man, put me back in the game, dog. We back in the game, Spade. I'm about to do it. Because like, <laughs> you heard Kendrick Lamar, you about to do it now? Like, come on, bro. This is serious. Like, mm-hmm. you know how long cats been like doing this thing you know and it's just uh, yeah you gotta look past St. Louis man and you're 100% right about that no, you're 100% right about that man so so speak on like so speak on like some of your travel man like so where how have you been like where how has your music you taken you to outside of St. Louis cause I know you've done national and you've done international so where how have you been this so far uh I just I, I really like 2006 um well, let me see. Let me back it up. Like 2005, um, this cat that was managing Cody Chestnut, we, uh, Cody, I think Cody Chestnut was open up for Erykah Badu at the mm-hmm. pageant when he first came. The show was crazy because, like, people weren't really, like, fucking with Cody a lot of times, but if you was into, like, rock and, like, some old experimental type shit, like, you, you was fucking with the album, but a lot of people couldn't get with it. But we did, so we we went to the show. I can cousin her, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, but we we could we went to the show and somehow, you know, like I think my homegirl Shadena, somebody got us backstage and we gave Cody the, the tape to give to his manager or whatever. And he was just like, sure. And so uh he was listening to it the whole time and the manager was looking for the the tape. It was a, a tape of me, cash flow, and uh Cold training, we was called the Soul Rebel at that time. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, the dude flew back to St. Louis and was like, Yeah, he said, Man, I'm gonna need y'all, man. He said, Y'all got something, man. But he said, but First, I'm gonna have to get y'all out this Bama ass city and start this travel. I was like, Yeah, thanks. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Who is this kid? Who do you think he is? You know? And uh, yeah, you know, and unfortunately, like, uh, it was a, uh, contractual thing with with Cash and Coltrane to where they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, I, I said, you can, you can manage me. I said, all of us dope, and I, I, I'm definitely going to pull all the rest of them in. And uh, so, yeah, that was like the the whole thing to where like uh, he took me in. He took me in, and he, he's like, yeah, he's like, man, he said, he said, I can promise you that I can get you signed um, I could, uh, but if I don't get you signed, 
He was just saying, trust me, he said, in the future, they ain't gonna even worry about, ain't nobody gonna worry about that shit. He said, mm -hmm. it's just about getting the word of mouth and being in these places and being available. You know what I'm saying? You gotta get shows under your belt and different stuff like that uh, and getting the music out to the people to be heard. You know what I'm saying? And he was just like, yeah, you can do it from remote locations, but it's better to be traveling and experiencing the stuff mm -hmm. as well. And, and I totally got that. So that was like my first time really, like 2005 was like my first time really like traveling uh, with my music and putting it out. Then the 2006, the Red Bull thing came. Mm -hmm. So by that time, you know what I'm saying? Like I was traveling everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Also 2006 was, he uh, ended up uh, getting me signed to Own Records. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, Own was more like a house label. Mm -hmm. But they had like people under the stairs and like a uh, strange fruit project, and they had me because they had like a hip hop division that they was uh, about to uh, start because they was making money off of people like uh, uh, Mark Farina was like their main cat that was they was doing licensing for like shows. They did they had a couple licensing things for. Um, they had a couple of things for like uh, Girlfriends, the show, uh, and some other stuff that uh, do Kelsey Grammer. So like, okay. so like they, they, they had that. So I, I signed to that. Nice. And uh, that was another way that was able for me to like hit up like certain stuff, what they felt like my music can handle, you know. And from there, yeah, like 2007, I moved to New York. And from New York, I just started traveling everywhere to overseas, um, a lot of places. But really, Red Bull let me see a lot of overseas because it was. That's when I knew that. Like, I always knew the back. Let me. I'll say this. I always knew the backpack market uh, used overseas as a way to to like flourish because. Like even even like an older overseas guy told me, he said, "Yeah, man, a lot of cats that's already signed at that time wouldn't be coming over here like that." You know what I'm saying? Because half of them motherfuckers were scared to fly. So, and if you was making money in the states off music back in the '90s, you didn't need to come over to to over there. You know what I'm saying? Go over there. But I knew through like liking Common and the Roots, they was going over there selling out shows because people was liking. So I remember. Uh, in the Red Bull, they was like, state your name and what you do. And at this time, I had already had like different vinyl out and everything. Uh, and they said, state your name. And uh, I was saying like Vito. <laughs> but they was like, and so by the time I was telling them where I'm from, because everybody had to do it. Uh, I said, do say, uh, state, uh, what's your stage name? And I said, Black Spade. Stony Rock. I said, Black Spade. They was like, Black Spade. You heard the whole crowd just say, Oh, all of the uh, no way! Oh, like they just they like roared like they just like did a oh like a ooh like a it was it was wild. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, it was wild, and uh, there was like all of the overseas kids and stuff, like all of the Europe kids. They were doing that, and so I was like, "What's that for?" They was like, "You do know like BBC Radio is playing your stuff. Like you don't know that you like nominated for a Giles Peterson Award." For best uh, new single, I was what? like, I was like, no. They was like, 
we knew you were coming here. We knew. I just didn't know it was you. Oh, can you sign my autograph for this? They had this album. They had like, like certain albums that they wanted me to autograph for. Them. So you were straight international famous and then you fucking know it? No, didn't know, man. Wow. And it, it, and it just and that was from like doing different compilations. Like the money was kind of hype back then because you can do it like a Scion compilation. I don't know why the hell they needed a. A, a mixtape but <laughs> you can get on it they give you like a thousand dollars or some or more or by the time CMJ or something come around you get to play their festival so you know I had a lot of little things out and plus MySpace was the link between Europe and that so like right, that's right. where it all like kicked off at for me and so like uh, yeah man like but it took that 2007 and or like signing up for something to start traveling to really get out there yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> fucking amazing, bro. For real, for real. Damn. Oh, man. This. Bro, you gave me some amazing motherfucking stories. Yeah, man. You, you really did. You gave I remember. You really did, man. You gave me some amazing stories. I'll tell stuff, you another. Man. Like, please do, man. Like, uh, I remember. Give me one more. Give me one more. So, like, I, like if you go to LA, mm. back in the day, if you were dope and you went to LA, you had to go get blessed in a way by Sara. And Sara is, you know, the dude that you, you ever remember? <laughs> you remember, uh, what is it, uh, South Park yeah. episode with Kanye? <laughs> and you know yeah, how when Kanye started having this crew yeah. and all of that, and he had to do with the Gumby? That's my homie. That's Taz. Really? But Kanye signed them. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully I don't get in trouble for this. But <laughs> Kanye signed them just so he can kind of like style stuff. It's nothing wrong because like for real, Kanye, man, that's just the way he get inspired to me. I love Kanye, but I mean, Kanye is a bit of a style stalker too, though. A style you know stalker. In, in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he just get influenced by what's around him. And he then he take that and make the best stuff. Technically, they got signed to a deal. Like, those dudes are some of my favorite producers. Like, uh, that, like, like those dudes are some of my favorite producers. Like, this dude, like, that dude, he gets so many placements on different stuff that you wouldn't even know that it's him because he's not like a, 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 a dude that's like, um, that's out there. So, but his whole squad like that. Like, so, he did, he's playing the bass on, uh, Mama on Kendra's album. Okay. And then he he did another track on it. His name Taz on him. Uh, and then the other homie, Omas Key, pretty much like uh, did both of Frank Ocean's album. If you look on the back, Omas Key. That was another cat that was in Red nice. Bull with me. Uh, I remember when Flying Lotus before Low End Theory, you anybody could play Low End Theory. But like I remember when Flying Lotus. I used to see him. He was like a he. Was, I want to say he was a intern or working a desk at, um, working a desk maybe at uh what is it uh Stone's Throw, and I for sure thought he was gonna go to Stone's Throw, but then he ended up putting the album out on Plug Research, mm -hmm. uh, and he said he told me he said he asked me he was like man you think I should go to Red Bull Music Academy? I was like hell yes, go to Red Bull. And and when he went there after that, mm. and when he blew that smoke. <laughs> In my face at the Sonar Music Fest, 
that was it for him because he definitely blew up after that. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah! I mean, you, I mean, the <laughs> shit. I mean, the shit you hear him on now, man. Yeah, it's, like it's crazy. definitely blew up. Like the fact that he did something with Tom York, dude, one of my favorite cats. You know what I'm saying? From Radiohead. Come on, G. That's fucking crazy, dude, man. I, I, I assure you, Tom York wouldn't have been playing Low End Theory if, if, if like it would like if. It wasn't hype to go to low end theory around the time Flying Lotus blew up. Right, 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 right. Period. I'm telling you. Like, so yeah, that that whole that whole movement, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's it's everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I needed to see all of that because if I would have stayed in St. Louis, I'd probably be working at the local whatever and making beats and Calling somebody like, hey, yo, JB, I'm about to hop back in. I just heard that new Nipsey Hussle, dog. Like, I'm about to, I'm trying to get back in the game. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I needed to see that stuff. Everybody needs to see that stuff to mm-hmm. keep going. You know what I'm saying? Because St. Louis ain't like a motivational place for, like, music. Because it ain't enough support here to be motivated to stay here and continue to do it like that. All right. I'm motivated to go out and then bring back and keep doing that in that way. Make it sustain on its own. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, nah, I don't plan on like <laughs> dying here. Nah, I don't know. I, I, ho- I hope I can get to a place to walk and like bring it up, always bring it back. You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. It's no disrespect. No, <laughs> I mean, no, nah, keep it 100, man. I mean, like I said, this is the whole point. The whole point of this show is so you keep it 100, man. Speak your mind, man, as a producer, man, as a, or a fellow musician. That's literally the whole point, man. But I'll say this, man, just the information and stories that you gave. Myself and the rest of the world today, man, that listen to this podcast, we truly do appreciate it. Like, 100%, man. Like, I know I do. I 100% appreciate like all the information, all the stories you gave me today, because all the, all the, especially the history parts, of, like a lot of stuff, <laughs> man, like, that would just put me more on game, just me, someone who's getting a scene and doing his part to try to contribute back, like, doing stuff like this. Helps me know more, man. I really do, truly do appreciate that, man. From you know one credit to another, I appreciate that. On some real shit, what? man. Like for, for real, sure. for real. So you know we're gonna have to shut it down in a second, bro, man. But uh, I want you to go ahead and um, you know give out your contact information, man. And also anything that you're working on, anything you want to go ahead and promo. Definitely now is the time to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hopefully you can catch me on tour. I'll be at uh, for the home base. I'll be at Blank Space on February the third. Uh, uh, January 31st I'll be in Chicago I got an album called Black Spade and the Somethings and Nothing Sessions coming out soon I was um, it's on, it's gonna be on E1 but normally E1 put like uh, their projects if you put an album out onto uh, Warner Brothers or uh, Atlantic so hopefully one of those they put it out on if not it still ain't no no biggie it'll, it'll come out on E1 uh, but then I'm making a mixtape that's coming out, um, which I vowed not to make a mixtape after doing Build and Destroy. But, you know, people need to hear something, so that mixtape is coming out. Um, it's called Hopeless and Romanticizing, and it's coming out August, let me just say August, but Valentine's Day, <laughs> February the 14th. Okay. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, catch me around. Fuck yeah, man. Oh, oh yeah, March 8th, we bringing Anna Wise. Uh, Sunny Moon. If you don't know who Anna Wise is, she the girl that's singing on all of Kendra's. Uh, if it's a girl that's singing on the hooks outside of Rihanna, it's Anna Wise, and she wrote on two of the albums. But we bringing her to Blank Space again. So 
If you like If These Walls Can Talk or any other song, Don't Kill Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, like all of that, she's, I'm bringing her again, her and her guy, they make up Sunny Moon. So catch us at, I don't know if this podcast will be out by that time before March 8th, but I'm sure oh, no, it will. No, no, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So March 8th for that as well. So. Fuck yeah, man. So just want to go ahead and give any kind of final thoughts, man, before we go and shut it down. Any, any kind of contact information or anyone can reach out to you? Uh, you can reach out to me um, at Black Spade on IG. Uh, if you are looking to <laughs> buy some beats, uh, <laughs> vmoney2004 at Gmail. Uh, Plug it. And uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, man, that's that's where you can really find me at, in, in those places. So, like, uh, I don't really have a website up yet, just an EPK type thing, but like, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Well, man, you want to go ahead and let people know about any kind of final thoughts, man, before we get out of here, man? Uh, man, stay focused. Uh, it seems, you know what I'm saying? It's, I know, like, I, I do know, like, if you if you consistent, like, that's like the one true thing, like, my mother or my grandmother or uh, often, like, even, like, uh, a lot of, like, sisters that I've dated, like, consistency, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you consistent, man, something will break. I truly believe, you know what I'm saying? Even if you consistent and, and just stand in your city and doing it, it, it is some stuff that'll that'll work for you. But if you're not consistent, man, it's just like, it's like another form of uh, being lazy if you're not consistent. So it, it works in that way, you know? But it is it is true if you stay consistent. It's, it'll work for you, so. 100%, man. Well, well bro, man, we truly do appreciate you, man, coming on the show. Thank you so much again, man, for blessing the mic, man. Just like I said, speaking the truth, your stories, your history, man, advice. Always 100% appreciate it, man. You know you're always welcome on the show. Uh, thank you. And also, yeah, it's never too late. If you're living and walking and breathing, it's never too late to do anything. <laughs> so, My man. There you go. Wise words from wise men. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, that's been another episode of Fruit of the Boom Podcast. You know, my name is JBJR. Uh, catch us online at Fruit, of the Bo- uh, at Fruit Boom Pod on all social media. Uh, contact us on fruitboompod at gmail.com for all inquiries, scheduling, feedback, things of that nature, sponsorships, all of that is. And also, uh, catch us every Monday. We go ahead and put an episode out every Monday, usually in the morning and the afternoon. Um, so catch this episode. We're, like I said, it's every Monday. We're going to have this out very, very soon. So definitely keep on the lookout. And I holla at y'all. Peace. See y'all next episode. Thank you.